And Jesus says a couple things in the text for today. He says the word obey. Raise your hand if you like the word obey. <laughs> Nobody likes the word obey. I'm going to give you the next slide here is our traditional wedding vows. And if you've been to a wedding, maybe your own, you, you may have heard these vows before. You're like, it's like way off, this, these slides. Okay, keep, yeah, keep going back. But the traditional wedding vows go like this. This is what the wife says. I take you to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health. Sound familiar? Okay. To, to love, to cherish, and okay. obey. Till death do us part, according to God's holy law. So I've done around 150 weddings. Guess how many times the bride has said those vows word for word, with the word <laughs> obey in there? Once. Once. All of the other times, I pull up, I have these different vows they can do, and I'll pull up these vows, and in, inevitably the bride will say, those look great, but we're cutting out obey. Okay, all right, it's all yours. It's hard to blame them, right? Nobody likes that word. We have words for people who obey too willingly. We have names for those people. One of them is backside kissers, right? There's other words for those people, but I won't be saying those words in church today. Because obey is an ugly word. My dad, uh, he used to teach uh, criminal justice at a college. And uh, one of the things he did at this college was they had a club. And the club was for people who were looking to go into law enforcement. And so to get into this club, they, they ran you through like a very mini police academy. And so they've got these college kids, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. And they're screaming at them. So my dad brought me one time. He got these kids lined up, and there's a group of them doing the leading of this club, and they're just yelling at them. And they're doing jumping jacks and push-ups and sit-ups. And I saw my dad get in this one kid's face and said, You are whale poop! You are the lowest thing on earth! You sink to the bottom of the ocean! I'm like, Oh, Dad! That was awesome! <laughs> I'm going to use that. But it was frightening. I was actually scared to see my dad so mad. So we're getting the car later on. Oh, it got even better. They made him run around the parking lot. They had to get to a line and run around the parking lot together. And then they said, that was too slow. Do it faster and do it together. So they're, they're running around together and my dad uh, they, they pull the girl who's last in line. They pull her out, and they hide her. And they get back, and this group of kids, they run around the parking lot again, they get back, and they say, where's Bethany? And they're looking around, they lost Bethany. And they're screaming at them, you never lose anyone! You never lose anyone! You go find Bethany right now! You know, and they're all running around trying to find Bethany. One girl's crying, you know? It was crazy. We get back in the car afterwards. I said, Dad, 
I don't think they're going to like you very much. <laughs> and I'll never forget what he said. He said this. I don't want them to like me. I want them to obey and to learn how to take orders so they can be sent into dangerous situations, work together, and go home alive. That's what I want. And so Jesus calls us to obey him. It's not a suggestion. In fact, in our text it says, failure to obey results in one being pruned away from the true vine and thrown into the fire to be burned. Strong words. But we hear those words, obey. We become like those poor brides in my office saying, can't we take that word out? It's a hard word. But I wish they would keep it in. In fact, I wish both the groom and the bride would vow to love, cherish, and obey. Because love results in obedience. It always does. Hear these words from Jesus. I'm going to try the clicker one more time here. See if it works. John chapter 14. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then again, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And again, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. So according to Jesus, if you love him, then you'll obey him. But it makes sense. If you love someone, and that person loves you in return, it creates trust. It always does. And when trust is created, and that person says to you, I need you to do this, the response is always, okay, I can do that. It always works out that way. But here's the great thing. Not only does love result in obedience, the, work, the reverse works as well. Obedience, with great results, creates trust. And that also creates love. When you follow Jesus, you find more peace in tough situations and more joy in the great situations. And that creates trust, which in turn creates love. I imagine those college kids hated my dad. In fact, I'm positive they went home cursing his name. And then they got into the club. Because they at this club, they didn't just yell at them and make them run laps. They also did police training in police situations before they got to the academy. And so when they got to the academy, they found out it wasn't nearly as challenging for them because they were ready. They were prepared. And I remember going on these events with this club and these college kids loving my dad because they realized what he had done for them. Even at the time, it wasn't a whole lot of fun. So what's the secret? What's the secret to following Jesus? What enables us to obey even when we don't really want to obey? 
Jesus says this. Here's the secret. Remain. I'm going to read the text again, and I want you just to count how many times you hear the word remain. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. They bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The key is to remain. So how do you remain in Jesus? What does that look like? So I have a demonstration. And I was going to use my son, Tim. I said, Tim, you need to stick around for the sermon today. But I don't think he did. <laughs> so David, where are you, buddy? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I haven't, I haven't talked to Tim about this. I didn't even talk to you about this. All right, come on here. This is my son, David. You don't know him already? He's clearly the upgrade. I call him Haynes 2.0 because he's better than the 1.0 version. <laughs> so David, do you know what I like about you? Alright, I like that you are a handsome young man. I like that you have a compassionate heart. I like that you, uh, that you work hard in what you do, even though you, homework isn't exactly your favorite thing to do, but you work hard at it. I like that you're, you're gifted as a singer. I like that you uh, honor your mom. You take good care of your mom. You respect your mom. All those things I like about you. Did you know this? Okay. But do you know why I love you? I love you because I love you. I love you because you're mine. And I love you. And that will never change. All right. Nice. <laughs> you can go yell at Tim later, all right? You have my permission. He was supposed to be here. <laughs> to remain in Jesus is simply to receive his love. And what's great about Jesus' love is that it's not a conditional love. Jesus says these words to his disciples hours before he will give his life for each and every one of them, including Judas. He loves them. Not because they're, they're great disciples, and not because they can set a good meal for Passover, and not because they, they, uh, they follow well, and not because they're, they're good-looking men. He loves them because he loves them. He loves them because he chooses to love them. So I do a ton of weddings, right? And these days, the bride and the groom, they want to write their own vows. And they're so romantic. And they have all these great things. I love you because you complete me. I love you because you make me smile. I love you because you're the best thing that ever happened to me. And they're so sweet, and they're so sentimental, and they're so romantic. And they're horrible. I hate them all. Shh, don't tell them that. But I don't like the vows. Here's why. They're conditional. 
They're conditional. I love you because you do this for me. The old vows are better. In sickness and in health. Richer or poorer. I promise to love, cherish, and obey. Because <laughs> it's not conditional. In middle school confirmation, we're walking through the Bible, and we're in the section of Abraham. We get to Genesis chapter 12, and God chooses Abraham. And I said to the kids, do you know why God chooses Abraham? And they're like, well, because he's good. Because he's a righteous man. I said, go back to the text. Does the text say that? They go back to Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham is first mentioned. And guess what? The text says nothing like that. God chooses Abraham... Because he chooses Abraham. God loves Abraham. You know why? Because he loves Abraham. That's why. Why does God love you? Because he loves you. He's chosen to. It's not conditional. It's a promise. It's a promise. And God keeps promises and invites us to remain in him. And when we remain in his love, it enables you to love and to cherish and even to obey. Tim Keller, he put it this way. It's a long quote, but I, but I love it, so I'm going to read it to you. He says, so what you have to do is to convict yourself with the joy that you have in the gospel. I'll give you a couple of examples. Pray like this. Oh Lord, when I fall into pride, when I get so upset about what people are saying about me, when I get so upset about losing face, I have to remember that on the cross you made yourself of no reputation and that you gave up all your power and glory for me. And the more I thank and rejoice that you did this, the less I need to worry about my own honor and reputation or whether people are approving me or not. You have to catch yourself doing that and pray that. And what you're doing is you're taking a joy, a glory, and you're convicting yourself with it. Oh Lord, when I fall into coldness and irritability with people, I remember that, that in the garden just before you died, you were so gentle and affirming of us when we went to sleep on you. On the cross, you were giving yourself to people who abandoned you and mocked you. And the more I thank and rejoice that you did it for me, it melts away my hard heart and makes me be patient and attentive to the people around me. Oh Lord, when I fall into anxiety and fearfulness, I remember that you faced the most astonishing dangers for me. You were torn to pieces so bravely for me so that I could be utterly loved and eternally safe in you. And the more I thank you for that, the more I find myself being calm because I don't have to prove myself anymore. And that gives me a courage that I never had before. Remain. Remain. Because Jesus Christ died and rose for you so that you too can love and cherish and obey. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus.